and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Ampersand and Sons with Neil Bailey and Julian Finn. Hi, Julian. Hello, Neil. How are you? Oh, it's been a rough day. I got loud neighbors. I got Rona parties going on. I'm leaving for Canada. Things are uh, up in the air and crazy, and I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Fair. I think I finally uh, landed in what is going to be the recording area in my new house. <clears throat> Hopefully the, the sound isn't as echoey because I'm in a much smaller room right now. Sounds quite good so far. It is my girlfriend's uh, office for her sewing. Like she's a seamstress for her business, so awesome. I'm I'm surrounded by very colorful, frilly things, which I'm I'm all right with. That's fine. Um, so before we get into uh, you know why you hated this week's episode of uh, <laughs> <laughs> Superman and Lois, and and folks, I'm I'm pleased to announce that you're you're not just going to get me and Neil agreeing with each other and stroking each other's backs this week uh <laughs> neil bailey circa 2008 is back and angry um oh yes yeah um i think we've got some house cleaning to do so let's do it my buddy sean uh caught us up in a couple of points that we were speculating on but didn't have time to uh google in mid recording. So he's acted as kind of an unofficial fact checker for us. So, uh, Chrissy Beppo that we've been, we've been joking about the name. (laughs) Yeah. So probably named after, uh, Christopher Beppo, a reporter who appeared on the animated Smallville legends web series, uh, who was based named for Beppo, the monkey. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So optics aren't a thing, but references are. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> um, we both got called out. Now, I've never noticed this when watching Superman the Animated Series or later JLU, JLA. But apparently Clancy Brown's Lex Luthor was supposed to be African-American. Yeah, that uh, that baffled me when you told me because I'm still sitting here like, because you know Clancy Brown, white dude, and uh, like there is there, it, it's um, it's a very <laughs> it's a very complicated thing to talk about because you don't want to say the wrong or the dumb thing. But yeah, I didn't it didn't read as that for me. Whether that's because I'm a stupid idiot, well, I, who knows? Me neither. Yeah, because it was understated. I don't know. I don't actually have a comment on that. Um, but, but, but yeah, apparently there has been a very prominent black Lex Luthor in past yes. iterations, and we both just wildly missed it. Um, yeah. The post-crisis Luthor from Supergirl, from the Supergirl TV series, so Lex Luthor. Um, we had talked about this before, and I couldn't remember what he had become in the continuity of the show. And he is actually the head of the DEO, which is the show's equivalent of S.W.O.R.D. from Marvel Comics. They deal with extraterrestrial uh, threats. So we should have already met this Lex in the context of Captain Luthor and his flying spaceship at some point and his DEO, (laughs) and we have not, which is weird. He was um, off in Moldovia or something. Yeah. So he also caught this. Um, the lady that we thought was Kryptonian was uh, Leslie Lar, who is the 
personal assistant slash enforcer that we met in episode one um, who told Lois that Edge would destroy her and you and I are getting old <laughs> and her eyes don't work anymore and we somehow missed that point. Um, or or the show was subtle before it became very beat it on the head. Well, okay, so you saw it as... Oh, so, spoilers for what's going to happen in this podcast, folks. Um, Neil did not enjoy this episode, and uh, <laughs> I... To put it mildly. I didn't love it as much as I loved the first three episodes, but this felt, for better or for worse, like a... Um, better entry of CW verse TV. <laughs> and so it didn't rub me as hard as it did um as it as it did Neil. Although seeing how he reacted to this, I'm starting to think that if we do touch on some of the other CW verse shows in the hiatus, it should exclusively be Legends of Tomorrow because it's so over the top ridiculous that you won't be legally allowed to criticize it for plot contrivances. <laughs> or Black Lightning, which is so important on a thematic level and nails the landing on those thematic elements so well that you'll be forced to just accept the CW-ness of its other problems. Well, it's also a tonal issue because those reviews are have a very specific tone and it is deep analysis that is my goal anyway sometimes yeah. it's just fart jokes but the idea is that it just goes into everything and it looks at all the angles and whereas something like this where we're just ta talking and jawing like you would among friends i'm a little i'm a lot more chill and if i don't have to take notes and analyze every little bit in order to do what i'm totally trying to do like i would do in the smallville reviews of the superman and lois reviews i'm gonna be a lot more chill i'm gonna be like yeah it makes absolutely no sense that this person somehow walked through a wall and ended it a wall without a door in it and ended in the other room but that's not a big deal was i having fun was i not having fun and that's how most people regard things but that's also not the job of reviews too no and that's fair um you now we're not going to get into spoiler spoiler yet because we're going to do summary and what we liked what we didn't like in a non-spoilery sense first <laughs> um but you gave this episode a one in your review for the page correct which, which i am concerned about um <laughs> not out of any fear for your sanity or anything but just like i said the other day that i thought fives were too generous because i can see where this show can actually get better I think mm -hmm. a one is maybe a little bit overly cynical because I can also see ways in which this show could get way, way, way worse within its current well, structure than it currently is. With me, a five is a five and a one is... Like, you save fives for, like, the top ten things that you have seen, you were saying. But with me, a five is just a perfectly competent hour of television that I fully enjoyed. For me, a one is there's a particular level where my eyes glaze over and I don't care about this anymore because it's so terrible, and everything below that is also a one. There's also a punitive element, and I'll be frank about it, in this review. It could have been a two or a three word, a Smallville episode in season one, two, or three. But there's also an element where you give me four solidly written, near-perfect episodes, and then you drop me straight into Smallville Season 7, <laughs> it's going to be a far less enjoyable experience. There's also, without getting spoilery, there is a there's a threshold with me, and I it, it's like the Supreme Court definition of pornography. I know it when I see it. And what it is is there's a certain number of unforgivable sins that a show can commit where it gets to two, where it gets to three, 
And then a show that doesn't commit unforgivable sins can be a four or a five, depending on how much it hits me. So three is like only a few things that you really have to look past in order to enjoy it, but there were some enjoyable things. Two is there's a goodly number of bad stuff, but there's a couple of scenes that just really resonate and do great things. And then there's one where there's nothing that's going to stick with you after this show leaves and nothing that forwards characters and sometimes things that actively move character backwards. So that's kind of where my scale sits. So I have a curve as well. Um, My curve is more on a perfect to God awful. (laughs) Um, So like for me, there's very few movies that I would give a five to. Um, I can only think of one perfect movie ever um that just out of curiosity what is it Shawshank Redemption oh yeah we agreed yeah yeah it's not my favorite movie ever because it's not (laughs) the most entertaining movie ever but it is the only perfectly constructed movie I've ever seen yeah it is it is brilliant I have some in my top five it was my favorite movie for probably 20 years just coincidentally um and it was only supplanted um by several other movies but that's for another thing but yeah so so Shawshank Redemption would be a five for me and either Halle Berry's Catwoman or there was this <laughs> terrible Bruce Willis movie in the 90s where he played a spy and the villains were all named after candy bars. Um, Hudson Hawk? Hudson Hawk. Those would be ones for me. You and... blasphemous, blasphemous <laughs> man. I love me some Hudson Hawk. Actually, I haven't seen Hudson Hawk for 20 years, but I'm a defender of Hudson Hawk. All right, or, <laughs> or Torque. Do you remember Torque? When, when I do you, remember Torque. Yeah, dueling motorcycles. Yeah, yes. like, like I that's think... a one for me. But we should file that away. We should actually talk about Hudson Hawk and we rewatch Hudson Hawk and see if teenage me was an idiot. We should. Probably or, was. Or, or if 11-year-old me was brilliant. All right. So <laughs> let's, well, let's, you know, that, that Canadian-American difference. An 11-year-old Canadian and a 17-year-old uh, American, I'm betting you're going to win. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so let's get into Haywire. And so yeah. let's do a recap. And so help me if you don't refer to uh, our primary antagonist this episode by his actual real-world name, I'm going to be very upset with you. What, Jay? No, no, Keith Rainier. Oh, Keith Rainier, yeah. <laughs> Yes, good call. Uh, give it. Yeah, give I us don't our talk synopsis. about that thing after the brand, but <laughs> <laughs> give us our synopsis. Uh, okay, so we have an episode without getting spoilery where um, Jordan is getting accustomed to being part of the football team. Um, he has to decide what to do with his powers. Uh, and he has, well, yeah, how do you do this? Not spoilery. Um, like I, I, I'm not so good at see, see, this is, this is my, one of my critical failings. I can't summarize things without spoilers because I've just never really cared about spoilers. I've always cared about execution. All right. But I'll, I'll, let me, I'll give it a go then. So, yeah. Give me an example of what you would think would be a good one. And then I'll, I'll try and learn from it for next Sam, week. Sam Lane, Morgan edge, and various other parties descend on Smallville in the midst of football celebrations to cause drama and interpersonal <laughs> conflicts that don't make a whole lot of sense uh, to the backdrop of our most Smallville-era Freak of the Week story yet. Right, and it ends with divorced kryptonite. Yes, it ends with ex-kryptonite. X dash kryptonite, not EX dash kryptonite. <laughs> oh, I was trying to keep that spoiler free, but you know, like divorce kryptonite was supposed to be a bad dad joke, I swear. Yeah, yeah, but we will we will dive into that 
soon. All okay, right. so did you like anything about this episode? I did. I liked, I continued to like the soundtrack. I continued to like the filming. And the actual special effects, I had absolutely zero problems with this episode. Those The technical things were all still brilliant. Okay, perfect. And we can't really get into what you dislike without spoilers. So <laughs> I can I'll, elude. I will, I will share what I liked, and it's going to be in direct contradiction to some of the points you made, because I have a feeling that you were writing late and were salty, and possibly someone took a Ah, sorry, we'll have to edit that out. <laughs> and possibly someone took a poop in your cereal that morning. Uh, <clears throat> because, Everyone always assumes that, but I was very cool and analytical, as I will argue. Because um, I, and I commented about this to my girlfriend while we were watching it, I loved how they... I loved, I loved the handling of Jordan's interaction with his anxiety in light of the distraction of football. I loved the interpersonal dynamic between Clark and Lois and seeing how they handle conflict, which I know you did not like. Um, I liked the way that Lois and her father interacted gradually and how that played out over the course of the episode. It felt very organic to me. So we're going to have a fight over that. Um, nah, and I loved, you liked it. And I loved, 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 loved that um, the guy that they cast to play Kilgrave, who is our primary antagonist in this episode... Um, is a Keith Raniere, the uh, now convicted cult leader of uh, the Nexium organization, whose uh, members uh, boasted one Allison Mack, formerly of Smallville. Um, <laughs> the guy's a dead ringer. I, I sent you a picture after we finished watching the episode um, to see if I was crazy. And like, he's an exact lookalike. And I feel like that was on purpose. Like even his cadence of speaking was identical. <laughs> <laughs> and there was that time when he used well i can't that's a spoiler <laughs> i was gonna yeah. make a gum joke yeah i this this <laughs> felt like a filler episode to me it felt like an episode that was let's move the plot along it doesn't really matter how we get there this is a get to the good stuff episode and for me the cardinal sin that it committed was that it became a superman show rather than a kent family on the farm show Oh, uh, you know, the, I, I think you're right. It's absolutely filler and bad filler. But I think that it is, it's not the Superman elements that bother me because I was actually excited to see the first bits of S Superman elements. When, when, they, uh, when they started setting that up and I'm being intentionally vague, I was like, oh, we're going to actually see some of this. Um, but then, you know, like, to me, Superman action um if it's not thought out, if it's just clunky, if it's just showing a guy being Superman without thinking, without being in character, it's almost worse than having what we had before, which is very little Superman action, but when it's there, you care. Fair. Okay, so should we get into spoilers? Should we just jump right into spoilers? We probably kind of have to to discuss this one, because there's really... 
no ways to discuss the overarching theme and vagary because there's there's very little overarching theme and it's all plot it's like plot 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 yeah. plot plot and it's not <laughs> it's not like not like plot 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 it's like it has a plopping sound when it like plot 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 you know <laughs> so for something different i'm going to actually read neil's or read from neil's review and we're going to talk about what neil didn't like from that review and react to it and discuss Go those it. points because i feel like put my feet to the fire okay so the first thing that bugged you bugged me um the we get that that opening shot of the show with the text card saskatchewan six years ago <laughs> And, and you went off on that in the review because Saskatchewan is like the size of any other four states combined, pretty much. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, it, it's extremely vague. And it was funny that you said that because after the show was over, um, my girlfriend and I, I was introducing her to Outlander on Netflix. And um, she's deaf. So whenever we watch anything together, we have to watch it with subtitles, which is a frustrating ordeal sometimes, although everything on Disney Plus is fantastically subtitled. Netflix, not so much. And something that jumped out at me that bothered me intensely the entire episode was anytime someone on the show spoke in Gaelic, which is frequently in the <laughs> first episode, the subtitles just referred to it as other language. <laughs> every single time there's literally a moment in the show where somebody refers to the fact that they are speaking gaelic and as they are saying gaelic words the parentheses say speaking other language and i wanted to chuck my glass at the tv like i was i was frustrated and it's it's that broad generalization of this thing doesn't actually matter. So we don't yeah. really like it's place setting. And I get how that, that could bother you. I don't understand why they set it there. Like, because I think it's because they just wanted a random far off place. And if you'll notice, they've been touching the varying corners of the globe to try and make it feel more global. It does feel more global when you actually show China or when you show Moldova or Markovia or whatever the heck that was a couple of, you know, it was so, so throwaway. It doesn't matter. Um, but when you show case, Saskatchewan and it's BC because they showed a curvature to the earth, which doesn't exist in Saskatchewan, <laughs> y'all like Saskatchewan is flat. Yeah, it's, 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 this is, this is old school dad joke, but in Saskatchewan, if your dog runs away, you will still see him four days later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just very, very small and on the horizon. But yeah, no, there's there's that general lack of care right from the get-go that um, sort of sets the tone for what we're going to get. And you've got, you complain about the fact that Edge is there with this military convoy uh, pulling this stuff out of the ground that's, you know, the Smallville meteor type thing. And in your review, you you wonder at the logic of him being there on site with a military convoy and and you know why would an american business like edge is a douchebag who's preoccupied with futuristic weapons and alien it's, stuff well, like it it's not so much the idea that a villain in a superman show could show up in a bunch of uh armored convoy vehicles and be searching for the one thing that can kill superman 
It's that until now, he has been an understated, quiet threat in the background with they, where they don't hammer the threat. And this is pretty much Exposition City. We're driving here to find what's gonna kill me some Superman! And it's not that I couldn't see that happening. It's just that the rest of the show previously has indicated that it's gonna be more of a subtle slow burn and then they jump right to 10. So the and problem, it's not earned. The problem, though, is that the audience isn't us. True. Right? Like we're <laughs> They should no, all be us. No, but <laughs> <laughs> the 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 audience is not comprised of forty something year old dudes who can look back at Superman three and make catch the reference that they made to that sure. movie. You know what I mean? Like it it's not kind of. us. And every once in a while so like I'm willing to forgive them the more heavy handed stuff like that because they've got a forty minute runtime. They've got to get like, this is obviously going to tie into a central plot piece of the entire season, and they've got to just lay it out for us in a way well, that's not... The, it's it's not that they don't have to give us this piece of information. It's the method in which they do it. And arguably, I mean, people disagree with me on this, but my theory of writing has always been that the smarter you treat your readers, even if they're incredibly dumb, they will rise to meet your craft. And I think that the last four episodes have proven that we don't need information to be uh, conveyed in such an exposited, belligerent way in order to get something. And I was kind of trying to find a way to do it myself. I mean, it wasn't my job to write this episode, but if it was to write my, uh, my job to write this episode, there are 87 different ways that I could convey that information more subtly and without being such a nail on the head. Just the right. example that came to me while we're sitting here and talking about this is there's... You have this Larla, uh, what is it, Larla? Uh, uh, the, her the name, name of his assistants. Yeah, her name is, is uh, Les matter. Leslie Lar. Leslie Lar, thank you. So Leslie Lar and Morgan Edge walking in a business, court, uh, 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 God, a meeting room, right? They're in a meeting room. They're doing normal business. She's like, "We have it now." They get up. They walk to another room. She shows him something on a computer, and it's the pulsing thing. And he, he shuts the, the, the laptop. He says, what are you doing? People are going to see this. That keeps the subtlety. That's not well-crafted at all. But in that thing that I just came out and pulled out of my schwinkta without trying is ten times more subtle than what they gave us. And I think that, yes, we are not the target audience. We are not the target demographic. But I think that even... If they were trying to make a show for teenage to 35-year-old men and women of all shapes, sizes, and colors, um, using belligerent exposition to convey something is not going to be as effective as subtlety. I think that that people really look at these last four episodes, and not counting this one, because I, I counted as four. It's three episodes, right? Yeah. But people are going to look at these last episodes, and they're going to be like, wow, these are really well-crafted and all everything is subtle and it isn't handed to you and all of the effective elements of a superhero show are there but it doesn't dovetail into we have to treat you like you're stupid otherwise you won't understand it it's an insult but to kids, but because kids but, are smarter than that but here's the problem with that analysis from my perspective we uh -huh. are both watching this show with a critical eye and yeah. we both missed that Leslie Lar is the same person 
who told Lois that Edge was going to destroy her and like that, sure. that that right like subtle sometimes you have to spell it out for the audience. No, I would disagree. Well, I mean like you have your you you're you're entitled to that opinion, yeah. but I absolutely disagree because I think that the fact that we missed that is our issue. I think that the fact that we missed that and then found it later enhances it for us because then we're discovering things on uh, every time we uh, 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 discovering craft that was there and if we miss it and if we complain about it because we missed it well then we have to eat some humble pie and that's why i did i said this is completely on me if you look at something like shawshank redemption every time you watch it something new comes out because it's so incredibly well crafted they didn't have to say hey i'm gonna go to my bunk now and the lights are out i won't be up to anything you know, like, and, and you forgive the fact that you don't know until they rip Rita Hayworth off the wall what he was up to, and you forgive the deception, the outright deception that Andy Dufresne is going to commit suicide, because you're so overwhelmed by everything that's culminating with all of the story work that's done, and that's good craft. Now, arguably, there are audiences that are too dumb to handle complicated story, but... I think it is an incredibly gross mistake to cater to them because they're the kind of people that no matter what you put in front of them, they are going to hate what you do. There are lots of stupid people, particularly in America, but they are they are going to be fickle and moronic beasts. They're not going to be the people that when you show them something that requires a little bit of attention um, are, are going to then get the net. Or if you show them something that they have to be stupid to get, that they're going to then suddenly latch onto and suddenly lock in and try harder, you know? Right. So, okay. So we'll stipulate, we, we have a difference of opinion there that's probably not going to be resolved. Your next point, <laughs> your next nitpick here, though, and I'm calling it a nitpick because I uh-huh. think you're, I, I, I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I think you're wrong, <laughs> is you take umbrage at Clark using his super hearing to listen in on the conversation between Sam Lane and Lois in the bleachers. Um, And that goes to a larger criticism that you have of the whole episode where characters are acting out of character. And I fundamentally disagree, but I want to hear your take on that. To be specific, I'm not criticizing him using his super hearing to hear, uh, to listen in on his loved ones, because in the last review, I made it very uh, clear that the thing that I believe is that I would do that. Um, it's more that a show is being inconsistent when they say that he absolutely will not do it anymore. And then one of the first scenes that you see with Clark in the next episode is him doing just that when it's not a crisis or not an emergency. Okay, That's so it. I my, my, my giant slamming hammer of I disagree that's aimed at this is and i've noticed this in your criticism over the years and it's the one thing that i've uh, i've kind of mentally chuckled to myself over and over and over again is that you and you do this in your writing and you're very good at it in your writing so when you write characters <laughs> you establish a set of character traits and you hold yourself to be accountable that the characters will not behave contrary or in an inconsistent fashion with those character traits that isn't Generally. how people are. That's true, but that's why people are not fiction. Right. But if we're talking about verisimilitude and the fact that this is a show that is attempting to ground itself in, I mean, as much reality as we can possibly get, 
their depictions of people we should expect are going to feel like people. And my sure. argument to just about every criticism you have about the way characters behave in this show, not in like the super fight at the end, because that was dumb, but in the interpersonal relationships is that people have general traits and character that they develop over time and they habitually act contrary to them because people are fundamentally flawed. And we can't praise the show one week for saying Jonathan really sucked in uh, episode one as a human being. And as they have revealed his character, we see nuance to it. And then criticize the show the following week when they add layers to the character's behavior. So Clark has a rule but occasionally when it involves his father-in-law, and that is always a touchy relationship or almost always a touchy relationship, he is willing to break those rules or act contrary to his general set of conduct. It, it depends on each specific thing, I would argue. And I think that you are correct that people do not always act in the same way. And there are times when it's okay to bend that rule and times when it's not. So example being... Um, Master Splinter in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. One of the best moments in the initial movie is when he cracks a joke after being serious for the entire flick, showing, yes, there's this whole side of him you don't understand where he probably makes fart jokes with, I don't know, <laughs> right. the other rats, right? That is absolutely a part of character, right? When I speak of consistency, I'm speaking of the fact that Superman is never just going to accidentally kill somebody some random day. And Superman is never going to, as an example, make a promise and then immediately break it. That's in this specific example. And in, in, in every other example that I cite, it's that's one of the reasons why I do such an open and broad and long analytical take is because each thing deserves its own specific regard in terms of whether or not it's in character or out of character and it's not that i think that people can't bend their character superman can have a bad day and accidentally fly through a building right that's a story there's a whole story there he's flying along he's inattentive because he's worried about jordan he flies through a building and does some massive property damage right that's out of character for him right but if Superman flies through that building, crashes into the ground and goes, I really have to get back to that barbecue. That steak is going to burn and he flies off. Then we have an issue. And what we have here in this episode is a lot of that as opposed to like, it's perfectly reasonable to say that an adult under pressure would go get drunk with a friend. But Lois Lane, as depicted in the show, would then not suddenly go and start bagging on how unromantic Clark has been or start talking ah, about how their, see, their marriage I, is in trouble. I disagree, and I loved that sequence. And now, like, yeah. if later they follow through the premise of this writing, like if she's being human there, right? Yeah. And she's just, I had a drunk night and it didn't end well, and I was stupid and I said some things that I don't agree with, and now I'm back to being Supermom right? Um, that's one thing, but that resolution is not present and they don't fulfill that premise or that arc at all. So no, but they is, said, it, but it they, is in isolation. Oh, but, they, but they set it up because she says, and this is jumping ahead guys. So I'm sorry, but she says yeah. in the argument with Clark that at that moment, and it's a sentiment and feeling that she will likely regret tomorrow 
that she feels a particular way and then she acts on those feelings immediately afterwards, which is intensely human, intensely consistent with any two people in a long-term relationship. People who are amazing, solid, wonderful people do crappy things and it doesn't mean they're written badly by a prime mover of the universe. It's just how we are as people. Right. But also, there are <laughs> lines where it's, I've got to go check on that snake now, bye. And one of those is when you're having a crisis with the love of your life, and you're fighting with the love of your life, and you have the option of talking that out and being an adult, and or going and getting drunk, unless it is like a super crisis... My firm sense of Lois's character, and this is specifically Lois, is that she absolutely would not go and get but that. But Neil, drink. her she lift is, she was is there. Her what? Her lift, oh, her lift. was there. Well, it, that's exactly it, and that's <laughs> what it is. It isn't even like, she doesn't even take a moment and go, you know, I know I should really stay here, because she's that smart. I know I should really stay here, but I can't emotionally handle this, and I need to go talk to someone else. It was that, I made a commitment with Lana, gotta go, bye! You know, see, it was so cavalier. See, but I don't read it as that. I read it as... Okay, so I am a don't-like-fighting-it-out-in-the-moment guy. Right. Okay? So when I have conflicts in an interpersonal relationship, I like to put a pin in it. Um, my The only thing I truly loved about the show How I Met Your Mother was the relationship between... Um, uh, Allison Hannigan and uh, Jason Siegel. Um, what were they? Uh, Lily and Marshall. Because they had this thing where they'd have these huge fights, but they had a rule where one person could say pause and you dealt with something else, either good news or to go be intimate with each other or deal <laughs> with a crisis off camera or anything else and then resume the fight later when you'd calm down. Like if things started to get too heated, that's, that's my type of conflict. And sure. that's how I read that scene was her being like, well, I know I'm in the wrong. She says that her feelings are irrational and she knows that she, that they're irrational and she just doesn't want to deal with it in the moment. It could have been that scene. The problem is that the work wasn't put in for it to become that scene. It wasn't like, there was no pause, you know, if you will. Yeah. And the other thing is that they've established over four shows, like four hours of television, that what they do is they immediately start talking about it calmly together like adults. And I think that Lois and Clark in this... Re See, I'm a, I'm a big screamer sometimes. Like, I'm a big scream fighter, and sometimes I'm a go to your corners and then we come and talk, and I'm a talk and talk and talk until we finish the problem kind of guy. It varies, because that those are the three things that are within my character, right? Right. So... I see how a person could have these varying things, but that's, you know, it wasn't sufficiently established in that scene for me. And also, if you're gonna do that, that jerk on the gear shift, then what you have to do is you actually have to put the clutch in first. And for those three, four episodes that we've seen, they've always gotten a glass of wine, gone out and sat on the porch and said, we need to be calm about this. We need to be mature about this. We are adults and this is how we handle conversations. And this is actually how I would absolutely in any universe picture Lois and Clark behaving when they are in a character. And I would also see Clark as a guy who's like, if you need to go be by yourself for a while and be emotional, that's fine. It's that um, they didn't do the writing work to get you from see, A to B. But like I, so feel, many things, I feel it like was they, A to C. 
I feel like they did, and that takes me to the next point in your review where you're criticizing. Well, hang on. Let's let's pause there. Let's pause there. Okay. And 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 I'll I'll, I'll ask you a question. Okay. How do you think that they established that it was a pause instead of Lois just storming off? Because she prefaces everything that happens after that with the statement when he asks you, is that really how you feel? When he's shocked by her reaction with her saying, I know I'm being irrational. I will uh-huh. likely regret this tomorrow. But and that is how people behave like to me watching that that was the healthiest expression of marital strife i think i've ever seen on tv oh see i think that that is the least healthy uh, conflict resolution i've seen between lois and clark in this entire show so far and it's just because it's not because they went to their corners it's because there was there was very little regard for what um what clark was going through and everything about what Lois was going through. And I have no problem with partners even being failing in that regard. It's just that that's not Lois. But that's, that's not, not the way but Lois that's not a criticism. That's not a criticism of the writing. That's a criticism of choices that they've made in nuancing the characters so that they're not black and white. And that's my criticism here is, do you know what the word eisegesis means? No. Okay, so exegesis, it's Greek, it's commonly used. I know exegesis. Yeah, it means from the text, right? Yeah. Eisegesis is its reverse. It's it's reading things into the text that aren't there, right? Right. And I, I think you're reading bad writing into the text where what they're actually giving us is nuance. They're giving us characters who in middle age have a collection of good character traits and bad character traits. And under high stress, the bad character traits are going to come out. And they established all of this tension with having Sam Lane in the house with them that culminates in that explosive scene at the end between Lois and her dad as being enough of a stressor to cause the less ideal conflicts to occur. I'll concede the point that it might not be in the writing that that what you're saying could establish a sufficient premise for um for explaining why her character did what it what it did. Um but if it is not if it's there in the writing, it is still a character choice and then my argument would shift to it is a poor character. Is that that you don't like the character choice, but that's a different yeah. argument. That's not a qualitative mm-hmm. criticism of the sh- of the writing of the well, show. See see to me writing the the art of writing and crafting a script is inextricable from the choices that you make. If you make poor choices, even if you execute them wonderfully, that is still a flaw in the writing. Ah, uh, but there's a difference between a poor choice and a choice you don't like. So Superman's depiction sure. of Man of Steel, the way he handles crowd control and the giant yeah. fight with the Kryptonians, that's mm-hmm. a bad writing choice. Superman killing Zod in the moment that he kills Zod, I would argue, is a writing choice that you don't like. And there is a difference between those two. Uh, I'm, tra- I'm struggling to see the, the rhetorical difference who's, between who's the, the main Who's the main character in a confederacy of dunces? I can never remember his name. Uh, I don't know. I tried reading it and couldn't get into it. Uh, I hate that guy. I uh, okay. hate that guy. He's an unlikable sure. twit. I hate mm-hmm. everything about him. Right. But it doesn't make it a poor choice to write him that way because I'm not sure. supposed to like him. Right. Well, so, so let me let me flip this around a little bit. Yeah. What you're saying is you dug it and 
you thought it was fun, right? Essentially. I'm not even saying that I dug it because there's things I I did not like this episode anywhere near as much as I liked the previous episodes. Let me just make the hypothetical. Someone likes it and thinks it's a great choice for Lois, right? I'm not invalidating that. I am so, so in my capacity as a reviewer, my job is to say what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And to me, things that don't work for me are going to be poor writing because they're, I mean, it's obviously failed to entertain me, which is not to say that for everyone else, it can't be perfectly good writing and right. can't be a perfectly legitimate choice. That's not what I'm saying. But that's why I take such gross steps over and over again to be like, if you like it, great. Because yeah. when I'm saying that I think this is a poor character choice and I think it was poorly written and I don't like it. I am absolutely hoping more at the same time that other people are watching it and enjoying it because it's not my job to yuck your yum. And that's absolutely <laughs> the opposite of what I want. I'm I'm saying that I can dislike an element of what's been done, mm-hmm. but separate that from a qualitative judgment about the writing. So... I can go, that's not necessarily how I would write Lois Lane, but I can see how they got there, and I don't like that character trait, but not view it as a failure of writing. There are failures of writing in this episode that abound. But to me, the inter- the, the, the expansion of character that we see from a, from a few key characters and the interactions that happen around them aren't bad choices or bad writing. They just reveal facets of these characters that are facets of people that I don't necessarily like in general, but that exist in people in general, good and bad. Well, to me, it makes it more real. The hair that's being split here, I think, is whether or not it's one should call it bad writing if it's ineffective for you. Um, like, should I say that it's bad writing, that that Man of Steel is bad writing? It, it sounds like an affirmative statement, but it is, um, but it is not. I am not making an assertion that it is bad writing as much as I am saying I am not convinced that it is good writing. I'm, I'm, I'm no, that's fair. sort of, and, and, and the problem is because I am so forceful and because it's my job to be direct about it, because that's how you, that's how you construct a review and that's how you construct an assessment or an analysis is as forcefully and as well as you could. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean necessarily that there's any kind of judgment there uh, as to whether it is actually good writing or bad writing for anybody else or for even the person who's making the good or bad writing. Because ultimately, at least with me in particular with my novels, if someone thinks that I'm making a horrible character choice, I sit there and I judge the what I've done in that book, not on how entertaining it is for someone else, but how much it, uh, it, it resonates for me and how much I feel that I've done the job to my be- the best of my abilities. So bringing this back to the story in question, um, it, 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 to me, uh, smacked of character assassination. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it did that because not be, I, I don't even think it was intentional. In fact, I think nothing in this in this show that was done wrong is an act of malice, you know? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think the uh, the fight at the end with Kilgrave was, was somebody having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I just I just know that um, that ultimately when it comes down to it, for me, um, 
when I'm liking an element of a story, as I have with the way they've depicted the boys, with the way they depicted Lois, with the way they depicted Lana, and even Kyle, reprehensible Kyle, has been consistent. Um, and the way that, that... So, okay, here's what it is. Here's what it is. <laughs> it's not... This is what it is. This is exactly what it is. It's the sum of the parts. You have a very good argument for Lois and her behavior in that scene, right? Yeah. We disagree, but that's fine. Yes. That's one incident. But then you have Clark's behavior, and Jordan and Jonathan's behavior, and Lana's behavior, and Sarah's behavior, and Kyle's behavior, and Edge's behavior, and all of them combined. Um, create a preponderance of evidence that isn't present in any one particular instance. But like I was saying when I was like, this is what makes me reach below that level of where like, I'm like, ah, I don't care about this anymore. All of them combined together showing a either a lack of craft or story choices that I would absolutely disagree with is enough to just completely ruin the experience. For no, me. and that's and that's reasonable. I, I look at it like this. Um, I'm going to use a music analogy. <laughs> I come from a musical family, uh, like three generations back, everybody in my family has either been a professional musician or someone who enjoys music professionally. Um, and so I can recognize having grown up in a house that was filled with music constantly. I can recognize the genius in genres of music that I despise. I hate jazz. I hate jazz. I hate listening to jazz. <laughs> I have tried to like jazz. I had this romantic idea in my 20s of being the guy who goes to live jazz clubs and drinks scotch and woos women. And I couldn't get there because listening to jazz is a painful experience for me. Well, it gets between you and your first love dubstep, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> no, no, six, 60s soul. I'm all about Otis Redding and Sam. Oh, King. good man. Good yeah, man. Yeah. Um, and by extension, Leon Bridges. <laughs> um, nice. nice. But I would never say that jazz is bad music because I can recognize the genius in it, even though I cannot appreciate the sound of it. And sure. all of those elements that you brought up from this episode, to me, watching it are elements that make sense if I am writing characters who are actual human beings and not the typical caricatures of human beings that we see on TV. All right. of those choices make, even Kyle, even Kyle's turnaround and Lana's reaction to him makes thematic sense when you remember that no person is just one thing. No person is just the sum of their in four hours displayed character traits and well, that we are slowly being teased out all of these character elements over time. What we experienced this week was rather than seeing positive character traits teased out, we saw negative <laughs> character traits teased out, which are present in every single person. And to me, that made the experience more real, even if it also turned it into jazz. Well, well, using the jab, jazz metaphor and reframing it a little bit. So say, so uh, say Otis Redding uh, has is now a genre of music, and it, it is, you know, arguably. But say Otis Redding style music pops up, 
and you're listening to something that just channels Otis Redding so much, it's like his zombie came up and they, they made him, you know, look like he used to look. And, and uh, he sings just with the voice of an angel for an entire album and then another album. And then you get four albums in and then all of a sudden they give you an album that's uh, Otis Redding with dubstep. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's not that there's any problem with dubstep, right? It's not a value judgment saying that dubstep shouldn't exist. And I totally get why people like dubstep. I even like a couple of dubstep songs, not many, but I like some dubstep, right? Yeah. I can get it analytically. And, and I totally see that there's this huge thriving dubstep subgenre, right? But it's like when, what I like about Otis Redding music is Otis Redding sounding like Otis Redding. And when I've been getting like the channeled raised Otis Redding, which this Superman and Lois show has frankly been to me, like every character has been so spot on and it's been written so well. It's not about the bad character traits because bad character traits have been present in this show multiple times. We have seen Jordan and Jonathan, which is where it makes most sense for people to have bad character traits uh, because they're teenagers and learning. Have, making terrible choices and we even have a whole character whose family life which you know was was more aggressively it's it's shifted now this episode has changed some things and we'll get into that i'm sure but like lana and kyle are making terrible life choices in a lot of respects um and this is something that you look at and you're not like well how dare they be human you're like uh i expect better from superman and lois and i kind of expect this stuff from alana and the reason you expect this stuff from Alana is because he was, she was the person that got left behind for a reason in in, in many respects. Yeah. Um, like she was, she was at least as she's been historically um, portrayed, clingy and needy and and flawed and somewhat broken in that she defines herself by a Clark or a Kyle, and that kind of follows through with this show. Um, I'm not saying that that's a great way to portray a woman as a character, but it is also historically what Lana has kind of been. Um, so that's there, you know, that flaw is there. It's not the flaw. It's that it's when you suddenly put the words of one type of character in the mouth of another, and then just expect it not to be like, Hey, Whoa, the car's jerking now. Yeah. You know, all, all I'm getting at. And, and sorry, before I get into that, by the way, uh -huh. Otis actually yeah. did do an equivalent to your dubstep analogy once. I can't remember <laughs> if it's on Otis Blue or Dock of the Bay, which was released posthumously. Right. But it turns out Otis was a Rolling Stones fan. And he does a <laughs> cover of Satisfaction that is not good. <laughs> like it's it's I don't enjoy it. Some people might. To some people, that might be their favorite version of that song. They're wrong, but they like it, it may be. Um, but, I mean, it's still Otis being Otis, just taking something different and revealing a different facet of himself that I don't necessarily connect to. But I don't necessarily think of it as a bad choice. I just think of it as something I wish hadn't been done that is now part of the catalog that is Otis well Redding. Here's the important part. It was a bad choice for you, right? Yes. It was a bad choice for your enjoyment. That's what I'm kind of trying to focus on is is like uh, I have no beef with anyone being like, this was great enjoyment for me. But for me, like these, these are my standards. This is what I like. And this was what I right. didn't like. Yeah, yeah. Why. And my yeah. my point is, is that there is so the freak of the week plot line with Jay. We're going to get to that next. The. Uh -huh. um. The fight between Superman and Kilgrave, I mean, Steve Ranieri, or Keith Ranieri, um, 
is bad Superman. And this goes back to what we were talking about <laughs> last week, where it's difficult to write conflict for a character that can um, that can bench press planets without throwing consistency in the toilet. Like you, you mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard. Well, it um, requires effort, but it is it is. It, I, I I would argue that for a reasonable craftsperson, a reasonable writer, it is not as hard as everyone makes it out to be. Fair, fair. Um, there is the weird turn between Lana and Kyle, although I would agree that makes a certain amount of sense in my human's gonna human, and she would have left ten years ago if he was all... Sorry to pause there, but I think actually of all the weird resolutions that happened this episode, that is the most plausible. Because people who make bad choices like sticking with the dude who's treating them like crap will often turn on a dime to try and justify it and just forget the bad things that have happened. And I know because I've been that person. That's not me saying those right. types of people. I'm like, I've been that person. Right. But like my my point here is is there is plenty in this episode that on a plot level that is just bad and meaningless and not well thought out. I don't feel like the character interactions are that i think that i think that as this show goes along what we are going to get because they are so keen on exploring character to the detriment of plot in some episodes i think what we are going to get is more and more and more depth to these people that we think we know that we have expectations for some of it will love, some of it will make us scratch our heads, but I don't think it's inconsistent. And that's well, where maybe... I take issue. That's where I take issue with the review because you view it as character assassination and inconsistency, and I think it's just an extension of what we've seen in the last 3 episodes. So, maybe you're 100% right and I'll concede the point in order to argue my other point here. Okay. Maybe you're 100% right, and all of the quote-unquote out-of-character choices were not character uh, character assassinations. They were well-thought-out choices. Um, and they were things that all of these characters would have done, right? Uh, it's just they haven't thus far, and we're just seeing new new angles to them. Yeah. My, where this comes with the problem is I, I agree that the more egregious sins in this episode are the sins of plot and not thinking things through. Like, <laughs> like... I don't know the sonic powers of Superman, and then I'm going to use the sonic weapon on him. Or yeah, that was I, so I'm going dumb. to suddenly, I'm going to suddenly magically know that Lois has a secret because I'm Morgan Edge. That kind of thing. This shit, yeah. This the she's. Oh, shiz, can I can I shiz. share mine that you kind of touch on in the review, but that I yeah. that I you didn't beat up enough in my opinion. What's that? Uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, why can I never remember her name? It's two L's. Um, Leslie Lar. Yeah. Walks into the, the, the Smallville Gazette's office and goes, <laughs> we know what you wrote last summer. Like, yeah, well, that's, that's, why is Lois's response? Great. You just confessed in front of a witness to hacking our computers. Cause that's the only way you could know that that's a federal crime. I'm phoning the FBI right now. I had two to three pages I could have written about everything that was wrong about the way Lois's story was spiked, but I thought the more important point was that they they did that plot sin in order to create a scenario where Lois Lane wants to have a man speak for her. But we'll probably get into that too. But um, but to the point that I was driving at 
was that there are all these plot sins that I think we both agree on that are very obvious and very analytically sound. Yeah. Um, so what I do is I look at that as a whole, and then I look at the episode as a whole, and I say, is a person who's going to make those kind of plot errors then the same kind of writing that the writer that is going to put all the thought and energy and effort into making sure that they are going to make a choice to dovetail those characters in this weird, odd direction and have that weird, odd direction um, be something that pays off later or is thought out or is is um, even I, I get the impression that there is just a distinct rushed quality and a distinct lack of care and a distinct let's hit everything on the head and let's just make all these plot beats work thing going on here. So I am disinclined to believe that it is a choice instead of an unhappy accident when things seem inconsistent. And that is fed very accurately for me by the lack of care that was put into the plot. Which is fair. Um, I, I try to remember that these things are written by committee and I feel like there's far more attention being given to the character choices than to the plot choices. Um, yes. I, I'm, I'm getting the well, feeling so from, far until this yeah. time, you know. Well, no, but I'm, I'm getting the feeling that what they're doing is they're handing off. Hey, how do we get from B to C in this many episodes to specific writers and then the writer's room as a whole is breaking the uh, the character choices. That's generally how it seems to work by my understanding is that they're like this and this and this happens. And then like these plot beats have to be hit. And, you know, as long as the characters don't lose an arm and you don't break the toys, you can do anything to get from A to B. And right. then a draft gets turned in. Everybody takes picks and picks and picks at it. And the executives step in and everything changes and it, it becomes a a beast of many parts of Frankenstein. And, and and typically that's why you have a situation where there are very active showrunners with personal visions that tend to have good long form results in situations like it. You will never see an episode of Watchmen or The Leftovers or say uh, so. So here's a great example. There is something they do that I absolutely despise in Legion with one of the characters that's not worth going into, but suffice it to say, Noah Hawley does a great job creating a vision for and executing a vision sh for shows, and even though I completely disagreed with what this character did and thought it made that person a reprehensible person, and I didn't want to uh, even watch them for entertainment anymore... Um, I couldn't argue that it was inconsistent, and I couldn't argue that it was careless. It was surely, clearly a creative risk that was made as a choice that succeeded or failed on uh, on the basis of its merit or lack of merit, but it was a choice. And when something doesn't feel like a choice, when it seems like an accident of trying to get to A to B, whether that's character work or whether that's plot work, I've got a nose for it. I sniff it out and I see it and I and, and I just I just dig in on it. And other people don't see it, and other people, like a lot of people, look at what I do in that regard and are like, hey man, they, they give me the crow or the Tom Servo. It's just a TV show. You should probably <laughs> just relax. And yes, if I were just watching it on my own, I would. But particularly here, um, this episode was so like I can't think of a single episode or a single scene. I'm trying to think of a single th scene 
that went from A to B to C to D without having to jigger something in a way that doesn't make plot or character sense for me. The interaction between uh, Sarah and Jordan. Yeah, no, even that. There's there's a bit there where they're like, yeah, we're so punk rock because you play football and I quit the cheer team. And there's there's a bit where like, no, th- but that was sweet. Hold on, can we can we take oh a quick God. can we take a quick pause? I have to grab a yes. battery. Okay, so let's resume, and I'm going to explain now why what you're doing with these character choices is eisegesis because there was a reason I raised that. All right, so. To you, and I've read your descriptions over the years of um, Lois Lane and Clark and all of these characters and who they are to you and where certain interpretations ring true or ring false. And I'm thinking your Superman Returns review where you did not like Kate Bodsworth's Lois in how she chose to interact with Clark who she knew was in love with her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Um, you, you found that particularly egregious and you did then what you're doing now. And I'm saying you, even though I like you am fully committed to other people having perfectly <laughs> valid opinions that are different from mine. Even you when don't, you don't have to apologize, buddy. you can come at me full steam if you want, because no, no, but I, I have made her, well, no, look, yeah. I have made a review, and it is perfectly legit to be like to come at that review in the same way that I've come at the show. I'm not, it's, it's completely Fair. cool. You have a mental image of who Lois Lane is. Correct. And you have a mental image of who Lois Lane is from a window of media that was informative. And it made an impression on you, a period of time where she was written a specific way in the comics, where she was written a specific way in animated ventures and in movies, et cetera, et cetera. That is your platonic ideal of who Lois Lane is. And when sure. and when shows and books and movies conform to that, you praise it because it is affirming of your view of who that character is. And when they deviate from it, you criticize it because it is not affirming of your preconceived notion of who that character is. And Lois Lane is a character who once back in the seventies wore like leopard print leotards and went on a, I'm a strong independent woman and I don't need no man tear that is completely inconsistent with who she's been in other iterations of the show or of the comic books. Generally, I agree with you. But I, I would I would caveat to say that I'm not averse to alternative takes on Lois so long as they are consistent. Like, there are things that I prefer and things that I don't. But, for instance, the Lois Lane in Smallville versus the Lois Lane in Superman and Lois are completely, fundamentally different characters in a lot of ways. But I love both, even yes. though one is very young and full of mistakes and, and far more sexual and carefree and, and um, less responsible um you know i i i'm i i don't like a lois that smokes but i don't think a lois shouldn't uh, shouldn't smoke do you follow so yeah. so what i'm getting at is there are no there's almost no wrong answers for what lois is so long as it is consistent and as long as the vision carries through 
Except in your review, you make the statement, that's not Lois Lane, a couple of times. And, and that's, okay, so I should <laughs> clarify that. I should clarify that. Um, because you're right, there is there is a missing piece of information there. It's I, I, I assume it's implied, but I should state it openly, as this show has defined her. Right, and see, I'm of the opinion, given that we have seen complexity of these characters... One, one, sorry, one second, my stupid... Hey, Alexa, stop. <laughs> okay, Google, stop. <laughs> so my 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 now my now my TV is starting to take uh, umbrage with what I've said. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, my where where was I? Yeah. So, um, the definition of Lois Lane and how how I am um beholden to a particular era or yeah yeah no I, I I I knew I was there but I was I was right in the middle of a thought and I think I might have lost it. Um, I'm sorry. No, Stupid no, that's that's Google. totally fine. Um, no, so you had said in the review that's not Lois Lane, and you were you were sort of defending it in terms of you know you don't care if she smokes or if she. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, I remember what I was saying. So cool. we'll we'll sort of break back in here. So, um, this show spent its first four hours before this week establishing that they are going to show us facets of these characters and then show us more facets of these characters the next week. We do not right. yet have a complete picture of who these people are. We have met them in, in media res and their character traits are being teased out for us over time. Sure. We have no idea what Lois cares or doesn't care about Otis Redding. Right, exactly. And we may find <laughs> out that she loves Skrillex and hates Otis. Of course right? she loves dubstep. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I won't necessarily like her as a character for that, but I won't... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't feel like I would call it a qualitatively poor choice just because it doesn't conform to my idea of what Lois Lane ought to be. There, I agree. there, there is an element of, but it ought to be this way in your critique that I'm trying to get at that. Mm -hmm. I feel the show has earned the right to not have applied to it yet by showing us that this is its method of operation. It gives us a bit and then it, it subverts that expectation the following week. And all of the behaviors in this episode need to be viewed, at least with the Kent family proper, I'm not talking about the Lana Kyle stuff, but the Kent family proper, need to be viewed through the lens of, it is established that there is tension between Sam Lane and Clark, and therefore with Lois, there's parental tension between Lois and Sam, there's duty versus parental duty between him and Clark. There's authority versus autonomy between him and Clark. There's all these tensions. He drops in for a weekend and decides he's going to stay unexpected and uninvited. Yeah, they're going to behave in ways that reflect the increased tension of that family dynamic. And I think that's what we saw. See, this is this is also a well. What's Superman gonna do? There were there were bystanders around. It, it it forgets the fact that Sam Lane staying for ten days is a choice. And if you're gonna make that writing choice, you have to you have to walk it out. No, but it you makes sense. To... But that's a choice that is organic because that's what annoying in laws do, man. 
Especially when, as established, this particular version of the character has a authoritative view of the relationship between him and Clark, where Clark sure. is powerful, yes, but he is supporting and endorsing his relationship with his daughter under very specific conditions that Clark well, behave the way he expects him to behave. And more to the point, Clark and Lois are aware of the way that Sam Lane is, and they're not going to be like, yeah, stay with us for a week after you've been subtly undermining our parenting. And then even if they do, they're not going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to be smart enough to know they've made that choice and they're not going to devolve into screaming baby right. adults. And the and, line, and, yet, and the line and that's for exactly them, what they do. Right. But the line for them is he does undermine their parenting in a way that causes actual danger and, completely reduces their autonomy to them being appendages of his will. And sure. that is the point at which, and I think in an earned way, they do lash out and say, get off my lawn. Well, they, they, they also are not that dense to know that that's not already going on. And also they, they concurrently define that Sam Lane has been doing this for years and they know that. So it doesn't really make sense or, 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 or and it's not in character for them to go, Oh man, I'm suddenly surprised that this that this leopard ate my face. No, you know? but the in media res that we're dropped into is a mm -hmm. major life change. Right? Sure. So the status quo between the Kents and Sam Lane has, in the time we've been watching this show, shifted drastically, and he is now concerned. Well, that's 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 the difference for me. It has shifted subtly from episode to episode, and this episode without proper groundwork laid it's just put into sixth gear no but like, the groundwork boom. the groundwork is laid okay so i'm gonna make this case because it touches on the plot stuff that we have to touch on so superman isn't in metropolis anymore so he's not flying the skies of metropolis anymore which is resulting sure. in an uptick in crime and an uptick <laughs> in the in the brazen it's it's the batman argument right All a you very have to do, vaguely a very vaguely alluded to non-specific threat that is very very convenient to the plot yes. it's it's the batman argument all you got to do is flash the bat signal in the sky and criminals won't take the risk like <laughs> no but but that's that is a comic book standard trope it's, sure. it's right so yeah. And this is comic book TV. No matter how good it is, it's still comic book TV. That's its audience. It doesn't have to be certain kinds of comic book TV, though. And that's where I take umbrage. That is a very ridiculous... Uh, not your argument, but the, it is generally very ridiculous and juvenile to argue that Batman's the blame to blame for the Joker's existence. It is, it is a philosophy 101 thought experiment like oh well maybe the joker wouldn't exist if batman wasn't there it doesn't matter because the premise is that the joker is there and that the joker would have would be there whether batman was there right. or wasn't there or that's those are the premises of the story it's it's absolutely like on the surface it sounds really great oh man without without superman and metropolis metropolis is doomed but that's like saying no, you know, no. That's uh, not where I'm going with this. Where I'm going oh, okay. with this All is right. where I'm going with this is the relationship between Sam Lane and the Kents. Because sure. what what they're giving us is all of this context for what the relationship was prior, what Sam's mm -hmm. expectations were prior, and how that would have colored the relationship because his expectations were being met. And this series starts on a fundamental shift 
in that relationship and those behaviors. So what we've seen is three weeks of gradual changes that have now come to a head because Sam Lane's anxiety has reached a point where he feels like he's got to take charge of the situation. And that's consistent with what they've told us about how that relationship used to be. He was barky and and leopardy, sure, but constrained because Clark was doing what he was told. This series starts when Clark Kent stops being that person. Sure. And so Sam Lane's interjection is a into their lives is a natural choice because he's trying to reinforce the relationship and the behaviors that existed four weeks ago that aren't there anymore and are having real consequences from his worldview. I get that. And I have no problem with that. In fact, if they go that direction, that makes sense. That's the logical progression of the plot. The problem I have is the way that it goes from A to C. It is not sufficient to make Sam Lane completely shift into this I have now got to take control mode because of some vague illusory threats to Metropolis. No, uh, no, he uses if, that if, as if pretext. Were, he uses right, that well, as that's, he, sure, that's, that's pretext. pretext, Neil. That, that's him appealing sure. to Clark's sense of responsibility. That's sure. not uh, well, him saying, I believe this is an actual real threat. That's him trying to guilt trip Clark. That's what in-laws do. Well, And that's the next point that I was getting to. It's like, Say it was that, or say it was that he actually looks at the Thaddeus Kilgrave threat. Um, Neither one of those are anything that Clark Kent would buy remotely in a second, and it's also the kind of thing that is so laughably dismissible that it wouldn't drive Superman to screaming. Sure, sure, and that's fair, but this version of this character seems semi-subservient and has since the beginning. He, There's been this sense of... I tolerate Sam, but I behave in ways that keep the peace because my wife has not been prepared yet to have the confrontation that we now see her have here. Like to me, all of those beats make sense. What doesn't make sense is Sam going, Superman is slacking off. I best create the hell division. (laughs) Yeah. No, but like everything, every, to me, everything, they're all choices that Sam could possibly make and that are logical progressions of characters, but none of them feel earned to me. None of them feel like the work was put in. No, and that's fair. I, I, I think I, I might be taking a more granular approach to justify it because I do think that the work was put in through the earlier exposition. What wasn't earned was we need to start up unit or division or project 7734 or whatever yes. that's completely unearned um the freak of the week thing was completely unearned although okay so i want to talk about things i didn't like as well i hate that they felt it was necessary to play with jordan's sense of guilt over the possibility that he created this effect when it was clearly exposure to x kryptonite yes and Which, that's one thing, well, in the original script, he had yellow vision, and yeah. that, that I, I have a feeling that would have tied into this, but I think that they, well, so that's the thing. In the hands of this writer, I don't think that that's a good dilemma to present because it seems arbitrary. As a plot, that could absolutely be done tactfully and well, but it would take work, groundwork, and character work. Yeah, that that was bad to me. The whole Jay storyline was poorly handled. I hate that 
in this universe where it has never been established that this is a thing where the military in general doesn't have any contact with metahumans this is all done through the deo that suddenly sky high exists it's well there's that and there's the fact that they're very clunkily setting up the smallville dynamic which i was dreading where it's like you have a cave with kryptonite and when teenagers come in contact with it, they suddenly become homicidal maniacs. And look, the only people that can save them are these people who just happen to arrive in town. Okay, um, but in their defense for that, for the cave filled with kryptonite and like this whole ex-kryptonite plot line, yeah, this yeah. is an ongoing thing from the Supergirl comics. Well, sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely based in the comics. The question, uh, but, but like, is it good television? And for me, like, that... that that that's the whole thing that destroyed everything that was good about Smallville. They didn't focus on Clark and Lex and Lana and their relationship yeah. in a way that makes sense. They started going, oh, look, here's someone who shakes a lot. And look, here's someone who uh, chews gum and becomes stretchy. And look over here, it's it's kryptonite-powered cars. And that's where story just dries right the heck off a cliff. Oh, man, that was a terrible thing. <laughs> Unintentional, but I'll take it. And And it's this entire episode feels like a pivot. It feels like it's going from this slow character burn, which is the kind of television and, frankly, superhero story that I like, and just turning into, let's do Smallville again. Right. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. May I be very wrong. And I, may I have completely misread this entire episode. I think I think you're wrong about it turning into Smallville. I don't think you're wrong that this was a bad episode. I just think that your objections to it are... Because character is so important to you, they're they're rooted in the wrong places. The I failings... will concede that that seems very reasonable as a critique of what I've said. And, yeah. and honestly, that's true because I do care about character too much and far more than plot. Yeah, the failings of this episode were to me, with the exception of Lana and Kyle, and Lana and Kyle weren't even that egregious when you take the long view of yes these characters are probably the most human characters I've seen written in a CW show or any superhero show with the exception of WandaVision. Um, and what Marvel is doing is just a completely different <laughs> ballgame to what anybody or else is Watchmen. doing. Or Watchmen. Watchmen. Or Watchmen. Or <laughs> Watchmen. Um, well, Legion or, too. Or Legion, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like... The failings here were all the result of wanting to get to the good stuff. And the way they yes. need to get to the good stuff is by creating like the good stuff in the sense of the good superhero stuff is by building these bridges to this is how we are going to introduce conflict for the Superman side of this character Yes. while the conflict for the Clark side of the character is rooted so firmly in what's going on with his kids. But like everything that you've got, so so you found it out of character for the boys to be at this like drug and alcohol fueled party. I've got a, so, I've a, got a 14 year old daughter who is raised well, who so, makes terrible life choices. Well, it's, it's not, it's not, <laughs> teenagers going to a teenager party where drugs and the marijuana will be it's not that it's not a puritanical critique it's that there is no there is no a to b to c in in that the last time jonathan and jordan did this people nearly died and they went through a traumatic event and here they are like let's go teenagers you know, are, like there's nothing there no but teenagers are dumb man i just had a yeah, conversation with that's my fair. daughter i just had a conversation with my daughter 
uh, three weeks ago. So we just moved, and I she I, she has a projector I bought her for Christmas so that she didn't right. need a TV in her room anymore. And I asked her if we could borrow it, me and my girlfriend could borrow it for a few hours while she wasn't home, to do a flash mural on Ben's wall, right? And the response I got was no. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean, no? And she said, no, it's mine. And I was like, okay, cool. The internet, the food, the plumbing, the bathroom, the oh, shower. No. Julie, you're like, being out of character. What you've got to do is you got to go, this is an argument I want to have right now, but I need a drink. And then right. you walk out the door, my lift is here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I was like, no, like that's not how any of this works. And she expected me to like negotiate with her on the use of this projector that I had bought for her and that I could have just gone into her room and taken. I didn't need to ask her permission. Uh, The thing is, Julian, uh, uh, people don't always act in character (laughs) the way that you've come to expect them to behave. Yeah, yeah. Teenagers... (laughs) Then again, with kids, they are kind of dumb. Teenagers do not act in a predictably logical sense in general. Fair enough, I'll concede that point. Yeah, so like I'll forgive all that kind of stuff. Really, the only character interaction that bothered me at first and by the end of it, I was back in love with them was the Lana and Lois uh, drink together at the bar. And it bothered me at first for the same reasons that it bothered you at first, because it felt like typical stereotypical women bitching about their men folk, even though it's not necessarily earned. And I came to two places on it. One, I was utterly wrong about Lana's intentions towards Clark because a human being that was still carrying a torch and had some sort of aspiration of breaking up that marriage or something would not have said to Lois what Lana says about how Lois brought out the best in him. Like that conversation would not have happened. Full stop. There's there's so many things broken about that scene. Um... I think, and I didn't comment on this, but I think one of the things that bothers me the most is that in this, in this setting, Lana and Lois have reached a point of maturity where they should be friends and they should have scenes like this. It's just, it's, it shouldn't be like, you know, you're the only reason why your spouse is a good person or, you know what? We need to get drunk to forget our problems. Woo! Cause that's like, at best, at the latest, early 30s people, be they men or women, by the time you're 40, if you go out <laughs> if you go out at night at all and are not asleep by 6 p.m., you know, yeah, yeah. There, there's going to be a reason beyond like, ah, I'm sloppy drunk, I need a lift, you know? Yeah. Okay, so before we bring the boys in, there's, the three, boys, things, yes. the th- there's three things I'd like to touch on. Sure. Um, one is the fight and everything that led up to that fight and which how, fight there were the, so many the no no I, you know what i'm talking about i'm talking the Lois about Clark one no i'm talking about the um kilgrave superman fight oh yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. okay so that piece um i would like to talk about the weird resolution of jay's powers and I'd like to talk about the 
oddity of Edge constantly referring to what they're doing with the ex-Kryptonite as a resurrection. Um, (laughs) Because that seems like peculiarly operatic language to use for we're going to rub rocks on people and see what kind of powers they get. (laughs) Well, I think I figured that out, but we we can get to that. Okay. fight. Terrible. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And I get, again, I'll, I'll, I'll give them some grace only because it is difficult to write conflict between a human character and a character who is fundamentally a god. Um... But that was bad. Like, what was going on with the glowing ears? I didn't understand. It looked like he had lava coming out of his eardrums. Wah, 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 wah. It yeah. was dubstep. It was dubstep. It was dubstep. I, I, oh, man, it was sub- in my subconscious the whole time. The whole thing was very snidely whiplash in the way, <laughs> yes, in the way monologuing. Oh, my God. Yeah, in the way See Kilgrave you soon, was... Big Blue. <laughs> I'll tie you to the track soon. Yeah, like, I got that vibe. Like, it was just a terribly realized villain that resulted in a terrible, um, a terrible climax of a fight that seemed to only <laughs> exist to cause a moral dilemma of, yeah. do I stay here and flick this guy with my pinky, or do I go and help my sons? There's two things missing. The first thing is the, uh, the, we live in a society, Superman. (laughs) And the the other thing that's missing is that it's clear, it's obvious what they were trying to do, but just didn't do. Um, which is, he's supposed to be a distraction while something else is happening, and we'll probably find out about that in a later episode. Or, it's just so bad that it was just a really poorly planned attack by a dummy. (laughs) Yeah, I, I just, like... I love I love the introduction of intergang using the high tech weapons like that's that that's well executed it the fight scene or the 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 lead up to the Superman Kilgrave conflict was shot in a way that reminded me of the uh, urban warfare scenes from Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, that's it. Was very it, it was aping that a little bit, and the gum comes back. I just realized, dried gum guy, and there's the gum again. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I just I don't need there to be a super fight every episode. No, we don't. Especially need there to be a super fight. We need one a season actually in order to service the premise. Just yeah. one. Yeah. Um. I. I just. I don't need it in my life if it's going to be that badly executed yes it it was very by the numbers and wrote and that's why it failed and if you're and if you're going to bring in keith ranieri to play a villain (laughs) and you don't bring allison mack in for some kind of cameo i feel like you've done a disservice (laughs) to all to your brand you've done a disservice to your brand brand? oh that was a bad dad joke yeah Um, Oh, I'm gonna get letters for that one. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and you'll deserve them. But it'll it was. I worth probably it. will. I'll I'll just. Uh, <laughs> what's I'll going on? With, what's with going myself? on with X Kryptonite? I don't. I uh, so. Like it, the the whole resurrection idea is: are all these people dead? Is that what he's getting at? And if that's what he's getting at, and so here's Jay, my thought. and Jay obviously got his powers not from the heat vision, but from the heat vision blowing up some X kryptonite near him in the ground. 
Yes, yes. Well, so Leslie Lar was supposed to be Kandorian, was that right? No, she's human. So X Kryptonite oh, okay. works on, or maybe she's supposed to be Kandorian. Yeah, but in general, X Kryptonite works on non metahuman humans to give them well, Kryptonian powers. Have they done Kandor in any of the other shows? Uh, they've touched on it a little bit in Supergirl because Brainiac uh, Five has been a big part of Supergirl. Okay. Well, my immediate thought is Kandor. New Krypton explodes. You have an egg that looks like nothing could fit into it. It's a tiny Kryptonian that they're then going to resurrect with the ex-Kryptonite and bring back to life, and then Edge is going to have an army of super people. Okay. I See, I was getting That's the impression... That's my initial plot sense. I was getting the impression that... Um, that Leslie and Experiment 11 or whatever his name was from last week are human beings who have been dosed with X-Kryptonite. Yes, and, I think that's so. And the way that he keeps using the word resurrection makes me feel like they were dead human beings. No, that makes sense too. That, that uh, you know, it could be that he was, he was getting a sample of X-Kryptonite or whatever from the ground and then they did that. I, I don't even think that it's... It doesn't seem to be thought that far. I, I don't know. It depends. Because I had such utter faith that everything was being thought out in that regard and that they had a plan. And then I realized that maybe they just had a lot of time to make these first few episodes. And now they're rushing. What, um, I'm, what I'm hoping for is that the filler episodes are literally just that. They're like, we need to tell a story where we can get five minutes of very important stuff out that's going to further the better episodes and and that'd be fine honestly as much as i'm still going to give them ones when smallville did that it was perfectly fine like when you had a couple of sweeps episodes that all were bang on and when you had a premiere that was bang on and you had a finale that was bang on people would flip me crap because i gave a one out of five to the bad episodes but i was still being entertained because in the episodes in the middle actually give you something to look forward to and that's fine it's just i i am I, I mourn the idea that this show could have been all all good, no filler, and they've suddenly decided to go, no, we're going to throw some filler in, which they didn't have to do. They could have it's, said, we're going to make seven great episodes and you're going to like them all. It's going to be like the Mandalorian. Yeah, it's, it's the 22-episode curse of American TV, right? Because even sure. though this is a truncated season, this is a show that is fitting into that 22 episode typical season and we're going to get fluff and, and it's even worse than before because now they know that you make more money when you do the seven episode run that is just bang on the whole time yeah so now it's just like they're they're cutting off their nose to spite their face yeah no this this seemed like just this episode in general just felt like somebody had to scrap together it's almost like they retroactively realized that they'd forgot to include some stuff in later episodes that explain what the heck is going on and then yeah. wrote this episode and reshot it yeah pretty much that's that's what it felt like to me and and the how next week shapes pans out is how is going to determine whether i'm right about that or not because my yeah, suspicion next is, week is will determine a lot yeah my suspicion is is next week is going to be solid um i i have i have that sneaking suspicion too especially just the vibe i'm getting off of it but you know i don't even know anymore <laughs> i just entire world's turned upside down i just i don't understand what they're doing with sam lane and seven seven three four like that was such a leap to me that he would go from oh clark is spending some time at home we'd better prepare for armageddon 
Yes, and I think that that's the curse of these types of filler episodes because then even well-written conclusions suffer from the failure of the preceding premises. Yeah. All right, so bring Milo and then I'll go grab Ben. All right, Milo. Yeah? It's your turn, mister. Okay. Here you go. I'm going to hand you over to Julian. There's those. Put those cans on there and speak into the microphone. Hey, Julian. Well, you can sit back a little bit. Hey, Milo. How's it going, buddy? There you go. Good. So, you watched this week's episode? Yep. Did your dad tell you how he felt about it? Yep. He said oh. it wasn't his favorite to me. <laughs> See, you're not supposed to... I'm going to give your dad some some uh, some crap for that afterwards. Because you're definitely not supposed to skew the jury pool by telling them what they ought to think before they give their own review. What did you think of the episode? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah? What'd you like? I liked the part where Superman was smiling at his boy passing getting that ball oh you liked his, uh, his the approval of his son when he was playing football yeah yeah that was pretty cool what else did you like i liked the part where they were like celebrating him celebrating oh were they celebrating jordan yeah has jordan kind of become your favorite character yeah, he's being nicer and better than he was before. At first, he was, like, super stressed out. It's true. Well, you know, people that have anxiety, people that have those big levels of stress, sometimes when they find something they love doing, it eases that stress a little bit. It makes it, it doesn't go away, but it kind of reduces it a little bit. It makes it smaller so you can manage it. Yep. What what didn't you like? I didn't like the part art where er, I forgot his name, but where Lois met that guy that was being rude to her. Morgan Edge. Yeah, that's the name I'm thinking. Of. And and his uh, and his sidekick, who we now know her name is uh, Leslie Lar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we're still trying to figure out who she is. In the comics, she's from the bottle city of Kandor, which is a Kryptonian city that Brainiac shrunk and put in a bottle. Um, we don't quite know who she is in this show yet, whether she's that same person or whether she's uh, just a human who's been given powers. Do you have any theories? Yeah. Next time, I think... Superman might find him, her, and then they might have a huge battle together. That would be cool. I wonder how they would do that without, you know, because she doesn't seem like she particularly cares about hurting people around her. Though she did set that van on fire, that she car. She did. She she heat visioned uh, the guy that Superman fought in the last episode. Did you watch yeah. the tra Did you watch the trailer for next week? I did not because so, I don't want to have spoilers for it. That's fair. So we get Captain Luthor back next week. Yay! 
Yeah, and it looks like no costume. Like, he's out in the wild talking to Lois face-to-face, which looks interesting. Yeah. Are you excited for that? Yeah, that yeah. looks neat. It's going to be neat. It's, it doesn't spoil too much, it looks like. And the thing with trailers is they almost never give you the spoiler you think they're giving you. Like, it'll look like they're doing one thing, but then you watch the show and it wasn't that at all. So I think you're safe to probably watch that teaser if your dad will let you. Okay. Okay? So I don't think we're going to see each other next week. I think we're taking a break and doing that uh, podcast the week after, because you guys are going to be on the road moving to Canada. How do you feel about that? That would be nice. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting move. Have you ever gone on a trip that long before? Nope. No? And we're going to be, like, going down, and then we're going to return it with the U-Haul. Then we're going to drive after we've drove into Boise, and we're going to stay at a few places, and then we're going to get, and on the way, we'll get to Thunder Bay. Well, see if you can talk, see if you can talk your dad into driving through Edmonton so you guys can come here. Because I'm okay. in because I'm in Canada. I'm in Edmonton. I'm like directly north of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So you have a good trip. I'm going to go get Ben. Um, watch the trailer. And I think we'll be back in either two weeks or on the weekend after next week's episode airs to do this again. Okay. 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 All right. Thanks, Milo. I'm going to go get Ben. Okay. Okay. All right. Awesome. Look forward to seeing me some Ben. <laughs> Gotta say, all my carousing and grousing and analytics and all that stuff, it's simply wonderful to hear the children having a good time enjoying the show and engaging it, even if it is on that surface level. I'd take a thousand of those for any one of my critiques. Right, and I mean, if if... They're not seeing the stuff that we're seeing. So if they enjoy it flat out, like, that's what it's for. That's all that matters. None of my review stuff. All right, it's Ben time. It's Ben time. Hello there, Ben. Ah! Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Technical errors. That's okay. Talking to the microphone. Hello. There we go. How you doing? Oh, man. It's good to see you, man. Hello. How is life? Good. You liking this show? Yeah. Yeah, what'd you think of this week's episode? It was fun. Good. Good. What was your favorite part? The action sequences. Oh, really? Did you like the fight between Thaddeus, or did you like... What was your favorite part? Uh, the one with that... Yeah, Thaddeus fight, like the... Yeah. He was creepy, wasn't he? Not for me. Not for you? You weren't scared? I mean, I've dealt with all the scary villains on Legends of Tomorrow, so... Well, yeah, and, and you've, been, you've been interviewed by me, so, I mean, what kind of villain could scare you? <laughs> oh, happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you, yeah, no, Sean Begora and such. Oh, my gosh, I'm not wearing green. I'm gonna get pinched. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, look at that. Oh, see, now Milo's pinching me across the... Th- oh, is this, but there's... Oh, my I'm God, no. It's Ben's turn! Ben can pinch me. All right. <laughs> so, Ben... Uh, what did you think about, uh, the ex-Kryptonite? Do you think that it was, that it's, that it means that it was former Kryptonite? 
No. 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 What do you think it means? I think it's probably a kryptonite in the shape of an X. Ooh, that's maybe, not... maybe black kryptonite. Ooh, black kryptonite. What? What? A, black kryptonite had a weird effect, right? Wasn't it like it? Uh... It splits oh, the kryptonite into two parts. That's what it was. Thank you. Yes, I had almost forgotten that. Oh man, that was like Smallville, the end of season three, right? Yeah. Look at you. You're encyclopedic about this stuff. So you're gonna have. Well, here's what you do. Every week you're gonna have to mm. tell me what was what in terms of kryptonian, uh, kryptonian, kryptonite, and such. Um, do you think that? Uh, what do you think Edge is doing with those little weird ground egg things? Probably trying to give people powers. Ooh, that makes sense. Are you worried for Saskatchewan? Yes. <laughs> is it related to this show? Don't think so. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I, I, so we got one more until a break, huh? Yeah. What do you think about that? You you, you bummed that it's going to be taking a break, or are you, uh, you excited to get a little rest? I'm excited to get more Supergirl. Cause... Oh, that's a good point. I might actually lock in there and give it a shot, because I hear it's the last season. And also, Flash is a good show, so that's a plus. Yeah, we got to figure what to watch in between shows and whatnot for 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 you all and for me and your dad. That'll be interesting. You got a vote? Uh, Flash. The Flash. All right, I'll be. The, I think I might be with that because I hear Flash is the best of them, other than Legends of Tomorrow. So, the Flash actually just hit season seven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty great. That's a long run. We so, have... is there anything that you didn't like this episode? Uh, I probably did not like the entire. Uh... This, the plot with Jonathan, I still don't... I'm not a big fan of his TV show character. Yeah. The uh, the becoming a football player thing? Yeah, I like more of his comic book arc where he's, like, a kid with powers and tries to learn them. And... Yeah. Well, does the football thing seem unfair to you still? Yeah. I, I'm inclining toward your uh, side of things now if they don't uh, do something about it real quick. But we'll see. We'll see. Are uh, you uh you uh, you excited for next week? What might happen next week? Did you watch the preview? Yeah, no, I did not watch the preview. Now it looks like Luthor's getting in on that action. Woo! I hope. Woo! Got more Luthor. I don't. I'm I'm excited for that. But <laughs> yeah. Me all too. right. <laughs> well, I will. I have kept you all late, so uh, being being analytical and stuff. But you all, you you both seem to be having a good time, and that's great. Anything else you want to add? Uh. No, not really. All right. Well, then I think I will let you go, good sir. And the next time I see you, we'll be on the same continent. Wait, well, actually, we're already on the same continent. We'll be in the same country. Oh, wait, my God. That was such an American thing to say. Actually, I have one more thing. Sure. Go ahead. My birthday is in three days. What? Yeah. What? How old are you going to be? 27? Oh, 11. <laughs> no, no. you got to be at least 16. <laughs> no, 11? I'm, no, 10. <laughs> 10? Oh, my God. You fooled me. See, uh, I think I think I'm gonna just stick with 27. I'll treat you like a 27 year old now. Deal. <laughs> but then I gotta send you out on beer runs. <laughs> no, that's a lie. Uh, you they could probably do that in Canada, don't they? I think they trust their kids there. No. 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 Oh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm 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 teasing you. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to shaking your hand in in in, in the, the the Canadian uh, uh, wilderness at some point, but. Uh, I, I think I'll hand you back to your dad now and say say I'll I'll, I'll catch you soon. Okay, see ya. All right, take care, buddy. <laughs> ah. Thank you, sir. You okay? Go get some jello. More jello? Yeah, go. <laughs> Hello. <laughs>
Yeah, you gotta have more jello. Hey, yeah, so that was, so see, yeah, this is, yeah, old farts yawning and whining, eh, who, uh, yawing and whining, who cares? These kids are having fun. That's all Exactly, they had a great time. Um, I think we should just so, make them the whole podcast. <laughs> one theory, and it's not yeah. mine, but I suspect uh-huh. that um, it's going to make sense of the stuff that we've seen with Jordan and Jonathan. Uh, yeah. I referenced this in our chat offline um that a commenter on facebook brought up and i think he's probably right i think that the reason jonathan tested negative for powers and the reason jordan tested basically negative for powers two weeks ago when he went to the fortress is that the power relationship between the brothers is symbiotic that's an interesting theory i like because we have only seen jordan use powers when jonathan is nearby yeah, that's that's a good theory. Another thing that I'm realizing is that because he, Jordan was right near the yellow X Kryptonite or whatever the heck it is when yeah. he had his burst. There's nothing saying that he is developing powers because of it, and that it just doesn't register on the Fortress's computer because it's Kryptonite from another universe or it's Kryptonite that they weren't looking for because they were looking for Kryptonian de- genetics. Right. So. No, you that's know, there's fair. lots of weasels in there that, but the, that but they they're, can do, and I'm looking forward to very, anyway. They're very careful in that they've they've only shown Jordan exhibiting any kind of powers when Jonathan is in close proximity. This is true. And you know, since, it, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and since Jonathan canonically has been Superboy, it would be very odd for him to not have anything. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think that they are—they are both heading toward obviously having Superman-like powers. I just—I had this nightmare vision just occur to me. It was like when you, when the hand got shook in 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 season one of Smallville, and you see the future, and I see myself ten years from now, and there's this show where both Jonathan and Jordan have slowly developed powers, and they're going to one day take their destiny, and then they both become the Blur and the <laughs> and the Shift, you know, and then like the last shot is them opening up their chests and showing the S symbol, and then we fade to black forever. Oh no! <laughs> the ten no. years later we watch their kids oh um, i will say there was one thing that i loved about this episode that we didn't really talk about and it was okay. the scene so not the actual moment where he picks up the alexa off the ground and morgan edge says see you soon big blue but the scene where he <laughs> where he lands and he's just yeah. walking superman yeah yeah that was that great. that moment i think for one, it's the first time I think we've seen a full uh, top to bottom in the costume body shot of Hecklin as Superman with nothing cut off or truncated, not really being and bright. a fast movement. And bright. Yeah. And man, does he look good as Superman. Like, yeah. like it's, the, the closest we had was the bridge before, but this was like where you can actually see him in motion close. I am extremely bothered by the fact that the writers on this show, or at least of this episode, don't seem to have any understanding of how fast he travels, because <laughs> his flight back to Smallville seemed to take longer than his flight to China. Yeah, and that's, that's you know, an issue of consistency. And that's one of the things that I'm going to be, you know, like, I'll point it out, but it's not really a huge deal to me. It's the stuff like the lack of craft in, like, 
someone sneaking up on someone with super hearing and that kind of thing. When you can very easily write around that. That's so easy to write around. Yeah, and they like, did that. Hey, Superman, yeah. over here! And then, blam, he gets blasted from behind, you know? Yeah. They kind yeah. Of, He was like, yes, I'm just here to distract you until the villain arrives. What? The villain is arriving? And <laughs> then he gets hit, you know? It's like, it's like I'm chewing gum right oh, now. Oh, the fact that he actually explosive. said it, too. <laughs> yes. My job like, was just to the, get you here. Like I just spit... And, 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 you know, there's the other... There's logic I didn't even cover in the review like oh yeah sure somehow he knows that the guard is going to have an analog clock yeah <laughs> you know? yeah like, like what the... uh, ah! yeah there was there was but again i didn't come out of the episode and go man i'm upset i watched that i still had a yeah. good time with the show yeah I and, just... and it, as i've repeated it's because you're nice julian you're nice <laughs> it is it is and and you know being a canadian and somewhat superior on the intellect scale i have this <laughs> i have i have this capacity to just accept what the writers are, are giving me instead of trying to push my own presupposition back onto the text <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great yeah if only it were if i understood what it was referring to yeah, uh, yeah. so we're not doing <laughs> an episode next schools. week because uh, no we're not you're moving yeah i am moving to canada uh we will try and squeeze it in but it may be a little late the review will probably be on time as things presently stand uh, but we have to arrange time to do this podcast but uh, i think i'm guessing we'll be good by monday tuesday of the week following Okay, and um, so because we're doing a big un and because the show's about to go on hiatus, do you want to do a supersized uh, episode discussion and then um, Zack Snyder's Justice League discussion in the same night? Yeah, I think, you know, we might have to do a two-parter that lasts for four hours. Um, <laughs> six. <laughs> but six think, chapters, Neil. Six. Yeah, I think, uh, I think what we should do is yeah on the following monday we'll talk about the last smallville episode and maybe broach snyder and if it, smallville. it's clear that what's uh, oh yeah i keep doing that <laughs> you know it's because it's it's because i got so used to saying the smallville review for 10 years on we'll do the next superman and lois episode okay and uh and then we'll start broaching snyder i think and if it looks like it's going along we'll say okay we're gonna pause here and then the week after, we'll finish that noise off, and then we'll probably move on to things that I, I will, will be more likely to enjoy. Um, but all I know is that uh, if Lois and Wonder Woman don't have a scene at a bar where they're drinking in Zack Snyder's uh, uh, <laughs> Justice League... You know, I suppose I could finish the commentary right now by just pointing out that every single piece of promotional material I've seen for that movie has been Zack Snyder's Justice League, not well, the Justice League. And it's always Zack Snyder's in bigger letters, as if he is more important than the characters in question, as if he could ever persevere longer than any of these iconic myths. I mean, and that's the, I mean but we'll get into it. The medium is the message in this case. They're trying to differentiate <laughs> from horrible, potentially creepy uh joss whedon's justice league right now yeah right? like <laughs> i guess so <laughs> oh man yeah they're, they're trying get... they're trying to put some distance between themselves and like what's shaping up to be a weinstein sized uh travesty not necessarily the same type of behavior but 
the Michelle oh. Trachtenberg uh, commentary didn't sound particularly fantastic. So I get it. I get it. And <laughs> and like from what I, I read Steve's spoiler-ish free review and it seems like it'll be a good time. And of the Zack Snyder like directly touched uh, DCEU properties, I found the original Justice League, like the Joss Whedon version of it to be the least offensive of them. So we'll see how this one goes. I'll give it a fair watch, and I'll be honest, and I'll try to like it. That's what I always try and do. I'll probably fail, but I will try to like it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll probably talk to you before then, but if I don't, have a fantastic move. And we, right. will, we will be back here in a couple of weeks. Well, that's another wrap on an ampersand and sons. Goodbye, Julian. Goodbye, Neil. Hey there, all you super cat coes and kittens. I'm not going to ask you to like or subscribe or add us on Facebook or Twitter because, frankly, I just don't care. Julian might, but you'd have to ask him. I am, however, an independent writer of novels, comics, and reviews. I don't get paid for that, and I've been doing it steadily for 21 years. If you like what I do, and if you can, your support would mean a world of difference in my life. I have a website where you can find my books, neilbailey.com with an A in the Neil, N-E-A-L, not an I, and I have a Patreon where you can get exclusive early access to everything I do along with free copies of all my books and comics along with every new book and comic I make as they come out for the price of a coffee. Get yourself on over to www.patreon.com slash neilbailey and tell them Neil sent you. Thanks for listening.